Hello everyone, I'm Alexis Yunus and welcome to a fresh edition of ESPN's Formula One podcast. I am joined by the Nate Saunders. We'll hear from Lawrence Edmondson in just a little bit, but we are back after a nice little, I guess we could call it a siesta, Nate, after the Hungarian Grand Prix that I, of course, unfortunately wasn't here with you guys for that one because I was doing the FA Cup, but I was still watching on my phone and I was still listening to your sultry vocals on the podcast after. But how have you been? Enjoyed some little time off in this little siesta we got? Yeah, we commented on how how dare you abandon F1 for the oldest cup competition of all time. You know, it felt pretty outrageous. Um, but no, it was um, it was nice to have a week off. You know, it was an intense three weeks to start. It was great, great to have racing back. But when the races came thick and fast like that, you know, it felt pretty intense. And I know you're feeling the same as well. There's so much sport going on right now that it's almost you have to almost take a moment to kind of stop and take a breath when it's not on because it's just all come. You know, we're getting kind of four months worth of racing in being but basically being squeezed into into right now so um yeah it was fun it was intense and um yeah ready to go again three more races three weeks so it's going to be the same story for a while now we're going to keep kind of rolling through this cycle so uh let's have it yes indeed and i'll definitely be back in there with you this sunday because Mm -hmm. that pesky fa cup oldest cup competition in the world is all said and done on (laughs) saturday this week so i'll definitely be in for all of sunday's action as we look forward to the first double header here the British Grand Prix, which would have been my first one, hopefully, that actually could see live and in person. This is the one that, you know, because it's literally close to home here for us in London. Um, And I'm absolutely gutted that we don't get to go, but one of us does get to go, and that's Lawrence, isn't it? Yeah, so um, F1 is still operating in a very similar way to how it has been for the first three races, and that's a very, very limited number of people allowed in the paddock. The race is completely spectator-free, which for Silverstone is a real shame because it's one of those events on the calendar that is just unbelievable in terms of atmosphere. It's obviously helped a huge amount by the fact that Lewis is in the form that Lewis is in right now and that we're really living in the Lewis Hamilton era. But I think even before then, it was always a race that just had great support. You know, so many people go to that race and um, it's going to be really weird seeing Silverstone, a bit like it was with Austria, you know, a circuit mm-hmm. where when in all of the shots, you know, you just, it, it needs those... The, that bright orange grandstand you get in Austria where all the Max Verstappen fans are there. It would be very strange not seeing all the Union Jacks out for Lewis and Silverstone. So that would be weird. But yeah, like you say, Lawrence has, um, is, there's only one of us from ESPN allowed to go. Um, so he's the one going and he's had his COVID test as well this week, which is part of the process of getting into the paddock. You have to be tested regularly to get in. Um, I believe that um, the, the access to the paddock is very, very limited as well. So Lawrence and a lot of other media will be, confined to the media center itself uh we're still doing everything over zoom so it's 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 kind of you know everyone hates that phrase the new normal but this is kind of what we're living in now and this is for the foreseeable future this is kind of what we're going to get and i think just as a shout out to f1 they did fifteen thousand or just under fifteen thousand test tests uh over the three weeks had two positive tests two and that was two guys from setup crew who very quickly left the circuit and every you know it was it was very quickly determined that that hadn't spread anywhere. So they've done a pretty impressive job at preventing the spread of COVID compared to, if you look at other sports, especially a few in America, who are really struggling to, to keep that down. Mm-hmm. So I can't actually see Formula One changing or deviating from this formula at the moment, because if it's working at the moment, it, it, it's allowing them to c- continue it the same way. So, um, so yeah, that's, that's kind of where we're at right now. Um, so on the outside, it will all look very similar to how it did the last three weeks. 
Well, of course, we're excited to dive right into previewing the British Grand Prix, at least the first race weekend. But before we do get to that, and we do get to hear a little bit from Lawrence and what he's been up to or what's actually been up his nose, let's just talk about some news, as always, paid off. Because uh, like you said, you mentioned about the, the, the rising infection rates in the Americas. And that's the reason why Formula One, as many of you may know by now, has called off the U.S., Mexican and Brazilian Grand Prix this year because it's true the level of the coronavirus cases, especially like in Brazil too, have been rising at an alarming rate. So Nate, this just, this simply had to be done, right? Absolutely. And it's, it's such a shame as well, because it's such a good leg of the calendar. And obviously, you know, there's some great races there that you've mentioned. It's Canada as well, you know, was the other, was the other one from the Americas that um, mm. has been called off. And um, yeah, it's, I mean, it had to be done. Like you say, the, the lead time of these events, it was a bit like with Monaco, you know, when Monaco had to cancel a month and a half out from, its actual race date because to commit to it on the circumstances of right now is impossible. So formula one, I think as well, I think the, those races, it's almost the success of the European races has actually hurt those races a little bit because formula one knows it can stay in Europe. You know, it can be doing these yeah. races where it hops around between very locations that are geographically very close together. The logistics are much easier for the teams. And in terms, not just logistics moving between those countries, but also kind of moving from their bases to those races as well. So, what we're going to get instead is actually a very, very exciting triple header instead of those America's races, which, you know, if you'd said at the start of the year, so the race we're getting is Imola, Portimao in Portugal. Mm-hmm. Um, and we're getting the Nürburgring, not the, not, you know, not, not, not the full configuration of the Nürburgring, obviously, but the F1 configuration they've used for a long time. And those three circuits, you know, each on their own, you wouldn't have predicted any of them being on the calendar this year. And so they've all got, they've all got great reasons, you know, great history. I mean, Portimao hasn't hosted an F1 race before. Uh, Imola, obviously, one of the most famous circuits on the calendar, used to host a race. I mean, that was the first place I went to with my dad, actually, in 2003. And just, you know, was already in love with Formula One and seeing and that, you know, seeing the, the Ferrari fans there. And that was a, the height of Schumacher's kind of, you know, run as the dominant guy. That was incredible. Mm-hmm. So, again, it'll be a shame if there's no fans at those events. Portimao and Imola are both working on trying to get some fans there. So we'll see if they're successful by October. But so a real shame we're not getting the Americas races, but it's kind of at least been offset by the fact that we have this great, great uh, replacement package, if you will, in those three. Um, And then beyond that, still a bit of a question mark on what we'll get. I know exactly. I was about to say, I mean, I I know you do have a soft spot in your heart for anything that goes on in the USA, but we have to keep you here, Nate, because we have to (laughs) keep you safe. And I mean, not to throw salt in, you know, people's wounds and whatnot, but just not having in the US, Canada, um, of course, Mexico and Brazil, I'm sure the Mexicans will be absolutely gutted that they don't get to see their Sergio Perez, who has been, you know, flying in a nice fancy racing point car that's been going so yeah, well, but we'll get had, to talking to him. He would about have had that. a great chance of a podium absolutely, there this year. Right? You know, with- with that so, that so that is a blow yeah absolutely I know so, sorry to any mexican fans listening <laughs> from the other circuits you know just what are we probably missing out on because just to show that probably come next year we definitely will we will see races at these locations yeah it's, it's hard to say i mean i'm i'm worried about interlagos but the, the, you know in brazil because there's been so much talk about changing the mm-hmm. changing the venue in brazil and interlagos has always seemed like it's on borrowed time it's such a great circuit you know there's been so many title deciders there and just iconic moments you know you, you had Lewis winning the title in 08 you had um, Vettel beating Alonso there in 2012 just as two examples Button won it in 2009 there um, but I'm not sure whether that will stay on the circuit of the Americas in its current deal the last race is next year so it's hard to see whether it, it, sorry it remains to be seen rather whether 
F1 renegotiates that deal and adds a year on or you know what happens but a lot of those circuits will be in the same place um you know basically saying well look we lost a year of this deal do we do we get that back or or, or what happens so there's going to be some interesting discussions um coming forward there what i would say that I, I was actually discussing this with um a couple of colleagues yesterday i think for cota this could be a, a good thing in the long run because one of the the issues for them seem to be the presence of, or the threat of a miami grand prix which you know mm-hmm. f1's been talking about a lot and right now there's no way miami can commit to a street race this far out you know it can't say next year we'll have a an F1 street race. And I've always thought that Cota's future is dependent on whether F1 can find, if they can find another US race, it almost means that the importance of Cota is diminished a lot. So for Cota, I think that, and and, and this is not saying anyone's going around saying, oh, brilliant that we're in the situation we're in, but just looking long-term, that might help a stay of execution a little bit for Cota, which I would would love because Cota is probably my favorite circuit on the calendar right now. It's just fantastic. So um, yeah, and yeah, like you say, just just gutting that those ones aren't aren't mm-hmm. on there because I could talk about you know, Cota, Mexico, and Brazil all day, and and Canada as well is also a fantastic circuit. I'm not sure how they ever thought they could pull off a race in October in Montreal. I was um, gonna say <laughs> you know, get some get some snow tires out or something, but uh, yeah, the fact that all, all of those are, are not happening is a is a real blow. Absolute blow indeed. And I mean, of course, we'll continue tracking the situation. We hope that we'll see them back on the calendar come next year. But it is so hard still to to predict what's going to happen next, even next week, Nate, uh, to be fair, just with this coronavirus pandemic, because now we have seen a huge talking point is the the spike of coronavirus cases in Spain, you know, which is super close to us here. And we know that at least speaking from um, residents and citizens of the UK here, we know that you have to go in, if you travel, all travelers coming back to the UK from Spain have to quarantine for 14 days, self-isolate as well. And we know that the Spanish Grand Prix is coming up as well in mid-August, August 14th, that weekend. So what's, what's the latest there? I know F1 has said that they are monitoring the situation. They're not quick to just pull the plug on anything just yet. But Nate, what do you suspect is going to happen and some of the murmurs that you probably have been hearing? Yeah, so when this first happened, we we reached out to F1 and asked, "What's you know, what, what what is this? What does this mean for the future? What's the forecast looking like?" And they made the point that Leicester, which is very close to the Silverstone circuit in the UK, has had to enter a similar lockdown period and you know recently, but it hasn't affected the, the status of the race, you know. And obviously, F1 is doing things in a very controlled manner. So from their perspective, I think it's business as normal. Um, again, this is going to be where it becomes interesting if that really escalates over the next two weeks. Is it going to look safe for Formula One to go there? You know, if 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 it becomes you know a hotspot in Europe, for example, um, I think that one of the benefits of this is that they're already in Silverstone. So if if the situation in Spain did get a lot worse, I don't see why they can't stay in Silverstone and have a third race there. We're obviously going to have the British Grand Prix, the 70th anniversary race. You would then, in theory, would fill that slot with a race. You know, they'd all, the the whole paddock would already be there. You know, people would already be yeah. there, all the equipment would be there, etc. So. From that point of view, I think they've got a safe fallback option. But everything that we're hearing from Formula One right now is that Spain is going ahead. But I think it's a bit like at the start of the year. It's all basically subject to what happens and how quickly things change. I said, I think it's just so hard to predict. It really is because yeah. we don't know how this virus continues to move. And of course, it's all dependent on people. And, you know, some find it harder to wear masks out in public than others. Some find it so hard that they have to protest it, but you know, we'll not get into that right yeah. now. Nick. But is, do you think, do you suspect that there's going to be at least um, a cutoff date by when probably, I mean, first of August is literally this weekend, but sometime within the next week or two before they have to make a hard decision. I think we'll get a day where F1 
will confirm like it you know you don't have to worry about it but as, as far as they're concerned it's going ahead so they might also turn around and say well look nothing's changed for us but there'll definitely be there'll definitely be a day where they you know as soon as the first it'll basically be the day after the the second race at Silverstone because that's when the teams will start to travel over so you know at that point you have to you have to either commit to going or commit to staying so it's not something we'll hear about i don't think this week it'll be more over the next couple of weeks and if things do escalate then i'm sure the teams will be discussing it with f1 and the fia whether they think it's the best thing to to kind of go forward with that and keep on as normal well, as usual, we'll definitely keep you guys updated because Nate and Lawrence are always on the case tracking all of these stories. But um, I suppose now let's definitely get into the British Grand Prix because that is the one that at least I have been looking forward to for the whole year for reasons that I just explained. We were hoping that we would actually be there and get to experience the atmosphere and everything. But you know what? Just at least knowing that it's somewhere near us, this near, then I'm sure that would be enough for me, Nate. But Someone who is near to us, but he's not here with us today, is Lawrence. He's actually enjoying a day off, as he so deserves. But um, it's not been the most restful days off, has it? Well, I think he's, he's playing golf today because yesterday somebody intruded into his nose and his throat with the COVID test, is what it sounds like. And that seems more than, you know, more than fair to me. So I'd fair definitely be doing the same thing. Exactly. Well, you know, he did manage to just give us a little taste of exactly what he was probably tasting and smelling and feeling um, as much as Nate hates the expression. But let's hear from Lawrence to find out what the new normal is like. So the dreaded COVID test. Um, Personally, I didn't think it was as bad as it seemed. It's one of those things which uh, people, I think, like to get uh, moany about and kind of... um, create some hype around uh, but it didn't didn't seem that bad but um to talk you through it anyway uh it's a it, it's a strange situation for Silverstone at the moment um the area that is usually uh, the ticket office and um one of the very close car parks to the entrance has been converted into the covid testing area and uh there's a couple of um kind of porter cabins up there and if the weather is anything like it was on Monday when I went to get tested this weekend, uh, the drivers will really struggle because it was so, so windy. Um, anyone who's been to Silverstone before will, will, will recognise uh, that description of Silverstone weather it is often incredibly windy and cold. Um, but yeah, uh, no, no difference this year. Anyway, so um, once inside the port cabin, uh, you have a disinfected seat, which uh, you can actually still see the sheen of disinfectant drying on uh, as, you, as you sit down. Um, there were uh, three people in there, I think, uh, along with me, uh, one of which was the nurse um, who administered the test. And so um, you're told to sit down. Uh, You're allowed a um, blow of the nose, which I can only assume is to um, avoid any kind of uh, embarrassment on what they may find when they go digging. Um, And then uh, they start off, fortunately, first of all, the swab goes in your mouth, uh, right to the very back of your throat, um, to the extent where you think, first of all, well, that's not too bad, that's not too uncomfortable. But then comes the twist, and they start twisting it to get, uh, I presume, saliva all over the end of the swab. And that's a bit that uh, actually made me kind of gag a bit, um, because it's that far back. But fortunately, it doesn't last very long. Out it comes. Uh, and then uh, same swab uh, goes up your nose. So that's the bit where I was quite thankful it wasn't nose, then mouth. It's instead mouth, then nose. Anyway, in it goes. Uh, I Now... Lots of people say tickles your brain, uh, kind of uh, pushes the inside of your eyeballs. I didn't find that. I don't know whether I've got a uh, well-shaped nose for COVID testing or um, or whether I just had a friendly nurse. But either way, um, and she was very friendly. But uh, it, 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 either way, uh, it was it 
it went in, uh, came out, and I didn't actually find that bit too bad. Certainly, I don't think I've ever stuck anything that far up my nose before, and I wouldn't recommend anyone uh, trying to self-administer uh, a test uh, with, with that level of um, kind of uh, intrusion into the nose. But it was it was perfectly fine, and then uh, and then you're all done, and out you go. And uh, still waiting on the result, so um, fingers crossed it's negative, and I'm allowed to go to the race. And then, um, if that comes through negative, then uh, yeah, I'll be at Silverstone on Thursday, and I think that's the day when I have to go and do it all over again because uh, my understanding is it's every four days, uh, everyone needs to be tested. So um, we'll then go into a cycle of testing over the two weeks of the Silverstone race, and um, yeah, fingers crossed, everyone comes back negative. So far. F1 have done a pretty good job at that. So, um, yeah, let's, uh, let's hope that continues and um, we get some good racing and we don't have to focus too much on the, uh, on, on the COVID testing during the weekend. Wow, Lawrence there. And it, it was almost <laughs> like me, as you were saying to me off camera and off recording, that it was like Lawrence gets nerdy, yeah. but the COVID test edition. It was like, it was like he was analysing... <laughs> the long run pace of the COVID test. <laughs> Literally. Like, yeah. I, I, I thought oh, that was fascinating. I was, it was gripping. It was um, very gripping. He was like, you could almost still see the sheen of the disinfectant as it dried yeah. on the chair. <laughs> it was Shakespearean, wasn't it? At some point. Uh, it was. It's very beautiful. I think also, um, he was also taking definite shots at the other journalists who, who all complained about the first test and said it was horrible. And Lawrence was like, Lawrence, Lawrence just saying, no, nah, it was easy. Yeah, he was like, I don't really get the hype around it, which is so funny because not just journalists, but I obviously, I mean, I know, um, well, I know a specific cricketer that's playing right now during the England West Indies series. And he said that when he got the COVID test, because obviously they've been tested from now till kingdom come, he said he just literally felt like they were, that the swab was poking the back of his skull through uh. his nose. And I know just <laughs> that description from everybody else that's taken a COVID test, but that description has just stayed with me because yeah, it was like, oh, that must be particularly the brain I've heard, but that one, like, oh goodness me, it just, it does sound horrible. So for Lawrence to come on and say, do you know what? I don't really get the hype around it. It wasn't that bad. It was easy. <laughs> what COVID test? Lawrence Edmondson, F1 hard man. Also, he's not in the cure yet as the time of this recording so we will see but no i definitely hope he he definitely will be and he should be because it would be good to at least have some representation there and i mean we'd obviously trade places with him if we could if i wasn't doing fa cup final and if nate wasn't manning the one man espn f1 desk then we would all be there celebrating because silverstone really is something to behold i understand Okay, and before we get into the meat of the British Grand Prix this weekend, Nate, something that we, of course, wanted to touch about, touch on again, is the whole We Race As One campaign, because we know it has recently come under criticism from Lewis Hamilton and some other figureheads as well that um, I suppose weren't too happy with how it's, it's continued. We saw a big showing of it the first weekend, or probably as big as it could have get, you know, maybe one or two drivers we would like to see more from, but... It got a lot of criticism recently that it looks like a bit rushed and, and that, you know, we weren't getting all hands on deck, so to speak, for a cause that obviously needs to have all hands on deck. So um, what, did you, what did you think of it? And just pretty much you can um, touch on the criticisms that Lewis had. Yeah, so um, watching it from, I think anybody, everyone who saw it on TV thought it, it's kind of progressively got worse how it's been shown. You know, the first week, 
I think it was it was made a point of we knew that six of the 14 guys weren't going to take the knee, which was documented at the time, etc. In the second race, I think we saw maybe a handful of seconds of it and then it cut away from the anti-racism protest to uh, skydivers over the, the hills of Styria, the Styrian mountains. And then in Hungary, it, it was a complete shambles because not only was did the broadcast cut away early, but the drivers had plaques on the floor where they were meant to go and stand and they clearly didn't know ahead of time where they were meant to stand. There was a picture I put on Twitter. I said, this this picture sums up how messy it was. You had Lewis and Seb and a few others kneeling. Carlos Sainz was looking around for where he was meant to stand. Kevin Magnussen hadn't even put on his... You know, he hadn't even been given his racism anti uh, end racism shirt to put on because of when they'd got there and everything from from that. So, and this is this is the issue that Lewis pointed out after the race is that the onus on this on these protests or or whatever it is you want to call the the, the bit before the race, the kneeling, or because some of them aren't kneeling, etc. Um, the big problem with it has been that it's it's fallen on the Grand Prix Drivers Association, the GPDA, to organise it. Now that's fronted by Alexander Vertz, who used to drive uh, about twenty years ago, but the two current directors, current racing directors of it are Roman Grosjean and Sebastian Vettel. And that was what was quite interesting from what Lewis said. It was that he he said he and Seb have been very close on this. And Lewis and Vettel actually now get on very, very well, uh, you know, away from the track. I think it's becoming, it's become, there's clearly a lot of, re- of respect between those two guys. Um, and I think that Vettel, Vettel is actually quite impressive on it, in, in my opinion, is that he doesn't make a big song and dance of it away from things. But he clearly, you know, it just says, look, this is the right thing for us to be doing. We need to do it. And he was there kneeling next to Lewis. What Lewis said, and this is going on what Lewis said after the race, he said that um, Grosjean's perspective on it is, look, we've, we've, ne- we've knelt once, we had the protest once, we don't need to keep doing it. And from what I understand from speaking to sources within the sport, it's not just Grosjean who thinks that, there's a few others as well who have been quite vocal about it, which, you know, I think that that's, that, that is the whole thing that Lewis was kind of pointing out. And I'm going to throw it to you in a second because I think your opinion on this is far more valid than mine. Um, but one thing he did say, just for, you know, because a lot of people listening have this opinion that Lewis has been going around telling drivers, you know, you have to kneel and stuff. And he hasn't actually been saying that. He's been, I think he was surprised that people didn't kneel in the first race. But I think he, he's also said that kneeling isn't going to change the world. And he, his, he, he's called on F1 and the FIA to be leaders on this. You know, he, he also took to Instagram on, you know, he, he constantly is posting stories that got him into a bit of trouble this week when, you know, he posted something that he hadn't actually read it, the full details of, which I'm sure a lot of people know what I'm talking about. Um, but what he did after the Hungarian Grand Prix was basically say to Chase Carey, who's head of F1, and Jean Tot, who's the FIA president, like, you know, where are you guys on this? You guys need to be leading it. It shouldn't fall to the drivers to to do this, and there needs to be actual action uh, beyond it. So I think, and I think that's a that's a very fair request from Lewis to to ask. You know, it, it, that's something that should have been happening from the beginning. So hopefully we start to see a bit more organisation between it. Um, you know, Lando Norris has said that he's he's been he tried to set a WhatsApp chat up between the drivers to discuss it and stuff like that. And I think it sounds like that was met with some resistance from some. So it's not quite as everyone's not quite on the same page in the same way that Premier League football, football players have been, et cetera, you know, in, in this before, but, um, but to throw it to you, I mean, you know, what, what have you made of it so far and, and how frustrating is it to hear what, you know, Lewis constantly having to kind of encourage other people to, to stand with him or, or, or in this case to kind of take a knee with him or at least stand up for something that he's fighting for. Yeah, I think it's um, it is it is exhausting. Honestly, I'm exhausted for Lewis. I'm exhausted for my own self. You know, from feeling that you have to keep picking yourself up and explaining why this is such a necessary fight to people. And I think uh, with things like, for example, what I saw, obviously, like I had said before, that I was on um, FA Cup duty, 
this last weekend, which is why I wasn't able to be with you guys, but I was still naturally watching. And I remember I was in a, uh, in the midst of like calling an Uber and finishing up my makeup and packing my bag to like, and I had the F1 on and I literally came, sat down just to see like the beginning. And I, I saw like, of course, Lewis take the knee and then Sebastian Vettel. And I think by the, t- I got up two seconds later because it said your Uber is downstairs. And by the time I just sat down and got up, the anthem started playing. And I was like, weird i was like did i miss something i was wondering if i don't know my connection dipped out or something i was in a massive rush it was until i came back that night and i watched it over and i said oh my goodness that looked like a hot mess so i i pretty much echo lewis's frustrations in it where i think what we don't want happening is that it's just one big show and then it just fizzles out because that's what it's been for the past how many years it's just been a trend and people get on board and say yes i do this yes i do support this but then the week after, or even the day after, sometimes you, you forget about it. And people, you know, telling Lewis that he's too militant about it. And I was like, excuse me? He's too militant about asking for equality and not just for, you know, black people, but, you know, he has said it as well for other races and, and including women in the sports as well. But um, that's the thing that is a sad thing that he still has to be this militant. It, it comes to a point that when you fight for something too much you do kind of act like you have a chip on your shoulder and i think he rightfully does have that chip on your shoulder it comes to a point where it's like do you know what i feel like i'll take this matter into my own hands you can like me or not for it and i feel like that's almost where lewis has gotten and i think that a lot of people need to get there where it's like you know what let's not sweep this under the rug let's not keep trying to explain to people it's it's time to literally get angry it's time to just get angry and do it. And I think that he has all right to question why other drivers probably didn't take the knee, even though, like I said, kneeling is not going to change the world too. As he said, I felt like I understood some of the drivers, like when Charles Leclerc came out and said he wasn't sure if this was a political kind of gesture that was tied to what's going on in the United States and their political atmosphere at the moment. And rightfully so, I agree with that. But still, you feel like it is lacking leadership and you do need you need someone to make sure everybody, as we've seen in the Premier League, as we've seen, you know, in the, say the WNBA now, we've seen in Major League Baseball in the United States, you know, as well, which is um, pretty big there too, to just say, look, this is it. It's like no gray area. You're either black or you're white, no gray area. This is what you're doing. And I think that more effort needs to be done. I think it's a conversation that needs to keep going. People say, oh gosh, here we go again about this. Here we go again. But you have to keep making them say that because that's the only time when they will eventually, hopefully realize that this is an uncomfortable fight that actually has to keep going on. I mean, uncomfortable as it is to talk about it or have people talk about it or people who may feel that because they're not a person of color that it makes them uncomfortable to to discuss it. I mean, that's fine. That's understandable. But uncomfortable is having, you know, Lewis Hamilton look at fans dress up in blackface saying Lewis Hamilton's family. That is uncomfortable. So I think that this is a fight that absolutely needs to continue. I think that Lewis is right to call for some sort of leadership. Um, I think when you just look in Formula One and you see the race of people who are put in these positions of leadership, that alone speaks to the problem as well. And I think that, I mean, massive props to Sebastian Vettel. He's the one that probably, I suppose impressed me the most because I think sometimes you see one or two like look to Lewis to kneel first and then they'll do it but Seb is always like one of the first ones down with Lewis and I think that um, 
I think if they could just get all of them on board like that to organize this and have more organization behind it, then I think it will definitely drive the point forward and just to make people realize that, no, it's not going to stop. No, it's not just for opening weekend. No, it's not just for the opening three races. This is until we see a proper change, you know, in the sports and just in the world overall. Well, with that said, Nate, let's get right into business and start talking about this weekend, the first British Grand Prix of this year. We're so close, yet so far, as we've established, Lawrence is going to be there. So I'm pretty sure he'll have um, plenty to tell us, of course, next week when we do do the midweek podcast. But first and foremost, one thing that I do want to pick your brain on before we get into everything that you predict will happen on the tracks, we've had three races so far and three protests, or I suppose I know that the one just last week with you know, was basically, it had to happen anyway, because they had put it in from the week before. And I'm, of course, talking about the whole Racing Point Renault kind of protest going on. The first one we saw, Red Bull and Mercedes. That one about Das was settled. Das is good, as I love saying. I love saying that now. (laughs) (laughs) But now I know that the Renault versus Racing Point, if we're going to, you know, dub it something, is a bit more complicated and it has been going on. So is a decision expected anytime soon probably before um things hit the track this weekend so we're expecting a decision in the next couple of weeks there's been no from from everything i can see there's been no uh defined date of when there will be a decision made and the the thing that complicates this is that then racing point well if it comes back that racing point has been in the wrong they then have three weeks to appeal that so Basically, what, what we know will happen after this race and after every race until there is a verdict is Renault will lodge the same protest as they did after the, the, the Styrian Grand Prix and the Hungarian Grand Prix. It'll be an exactly identical protest, but it's so that it, it makes every one of those racing point results provisional until that, you know, and, and effectively, if the ruling goes one way, they'll get kicked out of those races. Now, I don't know what happens if that, if, if that is the case, because that will then deem that racing points brake ducts are illegal. And I don't think they'll just have a, it's not like you just have spare brake ducts sitting around, you know, in the factory, they'll have designed these for this car. So that in itself is a very interesting question. Um, Racing Point have, have been very bullish about this. They they mm-hmm. say they've done nothing wrong. They say they have, uh, I think it was like 860 pictures that, that prove that they, you know, that it is their design, that they copied the design of the Mercedes, which you're allowed to do. But the, 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 the debate here is whether or not it was basically given to them, you know, whether it was, you know, you're not allowed to have that handed down. Ross Braun, I think, so... For me, the reason I think it's going to go in favour of Racing Point is we had Ross Braun, head of motorsport, come out and basically defended Racing Point and say copying has always been something that people have done in Formula One. You know, a team will pioneer a concept, other people will copy it. So for me, it seems that this won't have a a big controversial ending. I'm hoping so because Racing Point looks great and it'd be a shame if it was kind of taken away from them in a, you know, in a protest. Um, But we'll see what happens. So um, it's not something that we're expecting in the first week, definitely. It definitely is true. It would be absolutely unfortunate just because I know we've been looking for anything to kind of give us something else to talk about. That's not just Mercedes, 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 week in, week out. And Racing Point have definitely, definitely given us that. But I've seen the memes on social media and people now just literally refer to Racing Point as the pink Mercedes (laughs) to the point that, you know, you have to wonder, you do start to wonder. So I definitely understand why Renault probably would be taking an issue with this. Well, we'll definitely continue tracking that because I'm very interested to to see as to what the exact decision is and i'm sure when it is all said and done lawrence will come back on and get nerdy and tell us and break it down to every engine screw if he has he'll, to he'll break down 
break down a brake duct as if it's like a COVID <laughs> test with a little thing going up his nose. That's He'll the... even talk about the sheen on it as well and as it yeah, dries. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Disinfectant on the brake ducts, everything. Oh, brilliant stuff. All right, well, let's get straight into what we're predicting now to happen on the track at this British Grand Prix because we do know, as you have said before, that this is Lewis Hamilton territory. And why shouldn't it be? He is definitely Formula One's king of Great Britain. I mean, he is absolutely loved here as he should be. And he's just been the king overall. I'm sorry to gas him up. I don't even need to. But who can actually give Lewis a run for his money here? Um, even if it is Valtteri again, because mm. that, I mean, I know people are trying to find another one. Maybe Max Verstappen and Red Bull can come up with something. But is this just again predicted to be Mercedes slash Lewis Hamilton territory? Yeah, unfortunately, it's hard to make a contrary prediction to that. Now, Red Bull looked, yeah, there was some encouraging signs from them in Hungary, but also there were some signs that they haven't made the progress that we were hoping they had. They're, you know, they're pushing hard with upgrades and stuff, so it might be that they take a step forward for this race. But Mercedes, that car just looks absolutely unbeatable at the moment. And it, it is very possible that Mercedes, of all the cars they've produced in this era, this is the best one. And that's, that's saying something because they've had some really dominant cars. Um, and because of that, I think Bottas is really the only guy who can who can stop Lewis. What I'm interested to see is is how much the fans not being there change things. I mean, it's I, I don't the drivers have said they've noticed fans not being there. I don't think it's had a huge impact on them. But you know that whole build up, Lewis goes into all those races so hyped up, you know, yeah. just so you know, kind of you know, in front of his home crowd. So them not being there, I wonder I wonder what it will do. But I still think even you take that out, I mean, it's it's a small ingredient for that. I think he's still the favourite to win. Um, you know, anybody wanting a championship at this point has to be rooting for Bottas or has to be rooting mm. for Red Bull to, to kind of get their act together. At the moment, I think we're going to see a lot of repeats of what we saw in Hungary where Lewis goes out into the lead, Bottas drops, to, you know, is in second and then he's basically fighting off Verstappen. So, you know, we'll get a lot of situations where it's Mercedes, Red Bull, Mercedes. I'm hoping that that's, that's wrong and that Red Bull are further up. They might, you know, that would make it much more interesting, but it's hard to get too carried away and after a while i can't i can't keep making you know bold predictions that then turn out to be completely true okay sorry completely false when i know that they might not be right so um but yeah i'm hoping on this occasion i'm being too pessimistic now i know that um it's it's probably asking for you to search for a needle in a haystack with this question but um <laughs> with that said with everything with mercedes and and with lewis i mean even though we're only a couple of races in they have shown that they aren't necessarily invincible in the sense that we did see Lewis, you know, finish outside the top three in the very first um, opening weekend. We've seen Valtteri not be able to, you know, catch Max when you probably would have expected him um, last race weekend. And, and Max Verstappen is an absolute force to be reckoned with, you know, with or without his car. I think, you know, he has that right attitude, that right drive that all you have to do is just tell him, you know, I don't think you can catch Mercedes. And he's like, Oh, I'm at least catching one. And that's exactly what he did last weekend. So is there anything that probably he specifically can capitalize on this, this weekend? Like you said, with some probably upcoming upgrades that you might be expecting from Red Bull? Yeah, so that's, that, that's got to be the thing that Red Bull are kicking themselves about is that the two mistakes you mentioned were human error. And the yeah. first one of those, when Lewis clashed with, with Albon, obviously Max had had an engine issue early in that race, so wasn't in the running to capitalize on that. And and it's not to take anything away from Albon, but I think Red Bull would have preferred Verstappen to have been in that position at the end of that race, attacking and have Albon just behind him. You know, they could have quite, that quite easily could have been a one-two finish. So for them, it's similar to what we've said about Bottas with Hamilton. It's about 
being in the right positions to capitalize when they make mistakes. And we've seen a few of them, but I think that the more comfortable Mercedes get in the championship, the less likely they're going to be to make those decisions. You know, it's going to become very routine for them. But you are right. You know, Max Max showed, um, I think he, he showed the last race, he's shown us plenty of times, but that last race especially was ridiculous, you know, coming from crashing on the, on the, on the, on the lap to the grid before the race had even started and then repaying his team like that. It just shows you the kind of competitor he is. And it is a shame for F1 fans that we're not really, we, we never properly got to see Hamilton Vettel in the last couple of years. We kind of got glimpses of it. We haven't yet seen Hamilton Leclerc or Hamilton Verstappen yet, one of the young guys. So that would be a nice thing. And if Red Bull can get themselves into a better position, maybe we get that next year properly. But um, yeah, definitely. He makes it a lot more complicated for Mercedes because if he wasn't there, I think they'd have a completely free free ride to first and second. But he makes it a lot difficult, a lot more difficult for them. I'll throw a little plot twist in this now. Um, <laughs> and, and maybe I'm reaching as well with this question too. But if we look at, of course, last year's results and we see that, you know, Charles Leclerc did get a podium finish. Um, we do know the troubles that Ferrari has, even though, you know, Mattia Binotto hinted that they could have some changes and some restructuring at least going on even before Silverstone. We'll see whether or not that actually does make a massive difference or not. But, but what would you think if it is, if it is Ferrari, we are thinking Charles Leclerc in this one, is there any silver lining or could he be a silver lining at least this weekend or one of these two weekends for Ferrari? Yeah, I'm not optimistic, to be honest with you. I don't think there's been much that we've seen from Ferrari that would suggest they're going to make a huge step up the pecking order. I think they're firmly in that midfield battle. And um, they did make, they, they have changed things around back at Maranello. So um, Enrico Cardile has come in as um, performance development, uh, the head of the performance development department, which is newly set up. But the main the main guys, you know, the main structure of the team remains the same. Benotto's still there. Um, Simona Resta's still there, etc. So this change, I think, is to change the workflow at Maranello and to try and make them more efficient. We've always talked about how efficiently Mercedes has gone about doing their F1 operation. And I think that this this is geared towards that. Um, but yeah, Ferrari, I think we're we're set in stone now for a very long and arduous journey back to the front because you know they might they might well be better, but I think that the fact that we know how good Racing Point are, they seem to be in there with McLaren as well. They're going to yeah. be they're going to be mixed in there again. And um, even when it rained in Austria, it didn't bring them back to the front. You know, it didn't hide any of those of those issues. And the Hungarian Grand Prix circuit should have been better for them, a lot better for them than Austria. They obviously did better, you know, in terms of raw performance, but it still wasn't a huge jump up the um, up the pecking order. So, uh, yeah, I, I've got no reason to 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 be optimistic. We'll see them back at the front. Well, you mentioned McLaren. That's exactly where I was going to go. And you know exactly who I was going to go to. Lando Norris, last lap Lando. He's even got his own. I mean, Lawrence and I were having this conversation the other day because we see that McLaren itself has their own Lando Norris jumpers going on. And then there's another one. Scenario Scenario 7. I was saying, oh my goodness, this needs to be our new F1 podcast (laughs) <laughs> official uniform official and unofficial uniform because i love me some scenario seven we'll see if any of that actually does happen this weekend because lando is a child of the soil here too he is british so i'm pretty sure some of the fans must be very happy to see him you know coming up the ranks um i know you got to speak to him recently and i saw some interviews as well with him recently where he's spoken about how he himself has been his biggest critic whether you know we see it through his jovial personality or not and he believes that that's what's kind of helped him you know, grow and mature in this. So what are you predicting from Lando? Because it is home soil for him too. It is home soil for McLaren as well. So any any exciting fireworks that you're expecting? 
Well, just just to go go to the first point about speaking to him, that we we had a chance to chat one on one over Zoom. Uh, I don't mm. know what you call that now, virtual virtual one on one or something. Virtual chat, yeah. Um, and um, unfortunately, because it was in the paddock, we couldn't we couldn't be on the podcast, which was a shame as well, because it was such a, an insightful chat with him. And like you say, he's had a lot of. I think his, he was his biggest critic last year and his self-confidence was a real problem mm. going into races. You know, he'd, he'd be sat there on a Sunday second-guessing every decision he makes. And we've seen in the first two races how he, he's a bit more patient. I think the last race was actually interesting as well because he was out of the points and still had that great fight with Charles Leclerc for two, yeah. over two laps, kept it clean. It was for 13th position, but he said at the end of my interview uh, with him, and it was just before that race, he said, you know, I'm not going to get carried away with my start because F1 can quickly make you look bad. But if you have a bad race and it, and, and, and it kind of was proven by that because you see a guy finish 13th, you think, okay, he's, that wasn't a great race. But I think that what we'll see from Lando, hopefully if, if, if what he's saying about his confidence is, is true is that he's, he bounces back from those things quite quickly. And you'd think Silverstone will be a decent track for McLaren. So, you know, we, we've seen crazy, uh, circumstances up in the front you know the past couple of races and there's not they could be fighting for top five again you know if 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 the racing point don't quite get things right on the race day if maybe there's a few variables in there that they'll get thrown in so we'll see I'm, I'm i'm confident they can they'll definitely be in the top 10 you know i think mclaren are firmly in there this year with with renault and racing point and ferrari it's just that's now the fight really isn't it that's interesting it's not the one at the front it's the fight between those four teams so um yeah we'll see i mean it Part of me hopes he doesn't. I mean, it'd be great for anyone to get a podium who's not been on there before, but it must be gutting if you'd got a podium at Silverstone, if it was your home race and there were no fans there. You know, I thought I, I thought the same about um, you know about Albon. Obviously, mm. he'd love to get his first podium. I don't think he'd care, but it would be a shame to see those guys get that moment and then there not being anybody there. And the same for all the guys having home races this year as well. It would be, you know, it would just it must that must feel so deflating. Like if Ferrari somehow get on the podium at, at Monza and then they're on top of an empty a podium on top of an empty circuit will just look so weird so that's going to be something to contend with but um but yeah uh i think mclaren's in a really good spot at the moment maybe f1 should do like how the premier league has done where they allow they can stream in the fans so where they cheer (laughs) for a goal they could do that so when it's finally the podium they can cut to a bunch of McLaren fans or a bunch of mercedes fans and then they can wave to 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 lewis or valtteri or max or lando if he gets up there you know, what that could possibly least... go wrong? What could possibly go wrong with that? <laughs> oh dear! They'd have <laughs> to specifically make sure that they are fans, so that no inappropriate yeah. gestures are yeah. are, are maybe shown. Pre, maybe maybe be pre-record them, but I suppose you can't do that, can you? If you don't know the results. Yeah, that's true. Unless they just do stock ones, but you'd like to you'd like to see them sharing it live because I mean yeah. we've heard so many times how, like you said, you know, Lewis has spoken about the crowd and and constantly he puts it up in his stories and stuff on social media, and I think it would be absolutely brilliant for either Lando or Alex Albon. To, to at least get to get that feeling now that, you know, they seem to be coming on into their own, especially Lando. So fingers crossed. We'll see for them. We'll see. I'm sure they'll still celebrate some way, somehow if they do. But with that said, since I feel like we've gone through the usual suspects, um, I just have to ask your flat out predictions now, because with that, then I go to the wild prediction that you have, but we'll save that one for last. Cause that's always the juicy one. So give me your podium. Well, I'm going to be pretty boring with my podium. I think I'm going to say I'm going to say what I kind of hinted at. So Lewis, mm. Max, and then Valtteri. I was thinking about Albon, but I don't. I I just unless something happens to Bottas or Lewis at the, at the front, I think it will be a variation of those three for most of the season on, in that top three. Which is a real shame to say, but that just seems to be the way it is. Um, I'm dreading you putting me on the spot for my 
my wild prediction because <laughs> that's I don't what know. I'm waiting for. I don't know. Uh, yeah, I was hoping that we had a lot of social predictions that did that for us. But oh, um, don't worry, we have we have. A oh, good. Talk. Okay. That's why I was like, let good. me roll through. Well, your- yeah. If 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 we go through them, I can maybe think of a wilder one right. than any of them. We'll do that. Because at the moment, at the moment, I can't think of anything. My brain has gone has gone completely dead. So hopefully, I get some inspiration from some questions we get. Right, so we've got Nate's predictions in. We'll see if they come to light. To be fair, I think those are very obvious and strong yeah. predictions, Nate. <laughs> I mean, I'm not proud of myself for playing it that straight, but you know, I have to. I have to have some credibility left by the end of the season. So it's so hard. Yeah, hundred percent, hundred percent. But now it's time for our pit stop, and this is guys where we take all of your questions and wild predictions all across our ESPN F1 social media accounts. We hope you're following them. We will continue to be taking them. Um, every time we do our podcast. So let's start off with some. I'm just going to group some together, Nathan. You can let me know what you think because we do get some wild ones every now and again. Willie says, I expect Verstappen to surprise one of the Mercedes again. Fair. Rohit says Verstappen and Hamilton will collide. Oh my goodness, that collision That'd be might spicy. just. That would blow up the world, I think. Yeah. <laughs> and Albon, Perez, and Lando to win the race and get podium. Nice. Wait, See, wait, wait. But- Albon, Perez, and Lando on the podium? Yep. That would be amazing. Albon, Perez, I'd, I'd, and Lando. I'd take that in a heartbeat. That would, oh. I mean, the circumstances leading up to that would be quite remarkable. I mean, what happens to the other guys? But yeah, I mean, I'm, all, I'm all for that. Any, any that, variation of that podium. Because if he be says great. Verstappen and Hamilton collide, he's not said anything about Valtteri. Uh, exactly. Yeah. And yeah, Valtteri, yeah. 100% is class, so at least get a podium finish there. Rob says, Ferrari will be on the podium. Oh, me, oh, my. George says it will be an all-British podium first. (laughs) Oh, George Russell. George Russell. Lando Norris and Uh third, Lewis Hamilton. I mean, I think I should just stop there and get your prediction. Wow. I mean, I think that person's probably just played F1 2020 and turned off the the difference between the teams because you can't do that. You can make (laughs) all the teams the same. So maybe they've done that. I mean, that would be be great. Uh, I think George Russell will be on the podium at some point in in the future. But uh, at Williams, I don't think it's going to be anytime soon. I mean, he has been impressive, yeah. though. Yeah, yeah, he's been great. He's been great. But uh, I mean, these, we did ask for some bold predictions, so these yeah. are these are these are definitely living up to that. Definitely, Meta says Lando will win the race on the last lap. Last, last lap, lap Lando. Lando. Scenario seven. Scenario seven, baby. And Marco says it will be another Mercedes race. Ferrari's problems will multiply. Red Bull will make some progress. And the pink Mercedes will finish third. <laughs> I mean, this is meant to be bold predictions, not ordinary predictions that Nate's I already made. I was about to say, Marco, like, you might as well come on and be one of our yeah. analysts too. Cause... Let's, get, let's get Marco on next week. He can fill one of us <laughs> as being the pessimistic, boring guy that says, oh. no, I'm sure, I'm sure Marco's a nice guy. But um, yeah, I thought, I thought we'd get something like you know, Racing Point win or something. I do like how he's called it the pink Mercedes, though. Yeah, that's cool. I like that. <laughs> I hope that continues, even like next year when they're clearly Aston Martin, if people keep saying like, yeah, it's the, you know, it's the pink, it's the green Mercedes now. It's the green Mercedes. Love that. Oh, well, that's it, guys. Keep sending in some of your bold predictions. We definitely do love them. They do um, at least make our minds wander a little bit and, and wonder if maybe, maybe we will see something outside of the norm, even though Nate and Lawrence like to predict the norm. But thank you guys so much for listening. Uh, We cannot wait for some more action this weekend. Keep up to date on everything that happens this weekend and next weekend on all our ESPN F1 platforms as well as online at ESPN.com. We'll be back Sunday for a roundup of the British Grand Prix. And you can catch that if you're in the USA on ESPN. Bye for now.